Welcome to the welcome to the podcast. Today we uh, we have outside our walls because we want to make sure that we are creating environments to hear from other people and other perspectives outside of outside of Anchor Church. And today I have with me Jen Oshman. Hi, Jen. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for jumping on with us. Jen is um, Jen is an author. Uh, written a book, which we're going to talk about here in a second. Um, you know, there's going to be a link to it, so if you want to buy it, you can do that um, uh, below in the in the comments. And then um, she's also a writer for. You've written things for the Gospel Coalition, and um, you have your own blog, which you can promote. Where at the end of this, people can kind of find you in different spots. You're also you've been a missionary, essentially church planting missionary. You and your husband, and you're a you're on a you're a part of a church now. Your husband's a pastor. Of a church in Colorado. You guys are part of Acts 29, which is how I met Mark and how I've essentially met you. And so thanks for jumping on with us today. I want to hear, I just want people to hear from you. Tell us a bit, little bit about yourself, um, where you guys are, how many kids you have, all that kind of stuff. We'd love just to jump that way. Yeah, sure. So I am recording this from Parker, Colorado, where we live. I'm a Denver native. So um, Parker's a suburb of Denver. And my husband and I married young. We I was 20 when we got married. That was 21 years ago. And right after we got married, we finished seminary and headed overseas um, as missionaries in Japan, where Mark pastored a church for American service members in Okinawa, Japan. So we lived a Japanese life and ministered to our Japanese neighbors, but the church was full of American military members from all branches of the military. Um, really rich time of life. It's kind of where we learned how to be married, how we learned how to be parents, what it meant to be a family on mission together. They were really sweet years. We lived there for about a decade. Um, I birthed three daughters and we adopted our fourth, who is our newest daughter, but our oldest daughter. So she came home to us when she was 12 from Thailand to Japan. And our other kids were three, five, and seven at the time. Now she um, is 23. She just turned 23 yesterday, actually. And she's married to a guy in the army and they have a baby girl. So my husband Mm. and I became pretty young grandparents a year ago, (laughs) which has been pretty fun too. Um, So after Okinawa, Japan, my husband specifically had a really strong burden and and we shared it um, that Christ would be preached in the Czech Republic. The Czech Republic is um, one of the most atheist nations in the world, less than one half of 1% follow Christ in the Czech Republic. And so knowing that churches were everywhere, crucifixes were everywhere, Um, You know, there were evidences of the Bible and of Jesus in the country, but no belief, very little belief. We moved our family to the Czech Republic, um, started living the Czech life in a Czech village, learned the language, sent our kids to school and partnered with a Czech church to plant a church there in Brno, Czech Republic. But as the Lord would have it, we were prematurely called off of the mission field before those dreams really um, came to fruition within a couple months, actually, when we were going to open the doors to that church plant, God called us back to Colorado. My father was dying from Alzheimer's and dementia and had no caretakers, no family to care for him. My parents have been divorced since I was a child. So we brought the family to their third continent. And even though this is their passport culture, Um, America was just another foreign nation for our kids, but we came here five years ago and, um, we have planted since then Redemption Parker, as you said, in Acts 29 church, it's three years old 
girls are all teenagers and above at this point. And um, since I'm now living in my first language and doing life in my first culture, I've got some margin. And so, as you said, I've been writing a lot um, on my own website for other websites. Um, by God's grace, published my first book this year and also podcasting a bit with a passion for current events and trends, things like that. So yeah, that's, that's us. That's great. So, <clears throat> so you guys are, um, I didn't even think about that, but your kids, how, what has that been like to have them jump back into American culture when they've been in such a different, I mean, I mean, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it was a culture shock. It was. Yeah. I mean, they would all point to Japan as home, at least. Um, I think they're transitioning into feeling like America is home now, but um, they lived in the, in Japan and were born in Japan. So that was really the longest. And our home is full of Japanese food and that's like their comfort yeah, food. It's, you know, we still follow some traditions and things that we gathered while we were there. Um, but going to check was hard. Cause so in Japan, we lived like this American relationships in Japan, but then in Czech, we were the only foreigners in our context. And so they had to acclimate really quickly and learn the language really quickly and like tried to blend in as much as they could. Um, so then when they got here to the U S they were like, you know, what are these school supplies? What do you do at birthday parties? What is this sports team? Oh, man. You know, they just didn't, they had never seen, you know, like American pencils and trapper keepers. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, we went to the store before the school year started and they were like, what is going on? What is all this stuff? Yeah. yeah. And just invited over to kids' house. They didn't know what they were supposed to bring or like how much money you spend on a birthday present. There's just all those things that were like, <laughs> and we didn't know either because we hadn't been parents here. It's like one thing to grow up yeah. here, but it's totally. another thing to be a parent here. Mm -hmm. And so we were all um, pretty lost, confused and sad for the yeah. first two years on American soil. But there's been a few years since then. And I feel like God has met us. He's given us good friends. He's been faithful. He's faithful in America, just like he's faithful in Europe and Asia. Yeah, and it's that's good. better now. That's good. So are they, do you guys all speak three languages then? You speak English and Czech and Japanese? We do not speak very much Japanese at all. We learned enough okay. to go to the bank, go to the post office, you know, be friendly at the doctor's office, those sorts of things. Um, but because Mark was, you know, ministering to Americans, what well, we all were, he was preaching in English. We were right. That makes sense. Yeah. So, but we do speak Czech. We, and, and I always tell people fluency is a spectrum. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, for sure. fluent and a PhD student is fluent and we're like, you know, more elementary side of the fluency spectrum, but yes. Got it. Well, that's, I mean, that's pretty much most of us in English too. So <laughs> it's not, it's not that much different. Um, your book, uh, you just released it this past March, right? So yes. Not not too long ago. Right. Um, and it's called Enough About Me, Finding Lasting Joy in the Age of Self. Um, tell us maybe a little bit about the book. I also wanted to, to just hear why that topic. What was it? I know that anytime you're we're writing, you know, writing things, anytime you get something, there's a lot of times where there's just markers where you go, oh, that needs to be written. Or that, this this topic, you know, finding lasting joy in the age of self, which obviously I think all of us, as we think about it, we're like, yeah, this is pretty much the age of self. It makes sense. G give us some thoughts. Like what is the book? And then how did you come about that, that topic? What was it about, about that topic that hit you? Sure. Yeah. Well, as you say, I think all of us can just look around culture and the internet briefly and get the idea that this really is the age of self. I mean, our, I think I would, I would argue and I argue in the book that 
our highest value in this moment is autonomy, is personal autonomy. We want to, um, you know, and we're going on decades of this. We grew up in a culture that said, you know, you can be anybody you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. Just look within, determine who you are on the inside and who you want to be, and then conjure up all of the energy and whatever it takes because you can to get there and to realize the goal and the individual that you set your sights on becoming as an adult. You know, we just our elementary school classrooms were steeped in this self-esteem idea that you can be anything you want to be because you know, you do you. And so self-help, self-sufficiency, self-actualization, these are the buzzwords of our day because we don't want to rely on anything or anyone outside of ourselves. We want to be self-made men and women. And so I think it's, you know, I doubt anyone's going to disagree with me that we see that out in the world in the secular context that's everywhere. What started to really concern me is that I felt like I was seeing it inside the church more and more and mm. more. And that was really discouraging. What I was seeing is women, especially in, um, you know, my heart is for women's ministry. I've been, in, been leading women's Bible study for over two decades now. And so just walking life with so many women, counseling them, discipling them, just me being encouraged and edified by them, but starting to just see this, this like swelling movement inside the church, inside women's ministry, of, of self-sufficiency, of self-reliance, of just looking within rather than looking up to our God, our creator, our maker, our savior. You know, we were yeah. created by a God on purpose for a purpose. And yeah. much of that is in abiding in him and in, in being in relationship with him. So seeing even Bible studies, worship music, books on women's nightstands, um, conferences, especially big like arena conferences where women are being given this message of like, you can do it. Go hard, get up, get your cup of coffee, write down your goals and go hard and reach your goal and maybe pray and ask Jesus to bless it. And mm. in this Christian context, it was like Jesus was on the periphery while you yeah. were at the center. And what I saw happening to women around me and myself included at times was getting sucked up in this vision. That's like, rah, rah, go get it, go get them. You can do it. And then just becoming utterly exhausted, just realizing at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the year, I don't actually have what it takes to be yeah. a self-made woman. I actually wasn't created to run on the fumes of self. I was created to run on the fuel of my maker. So yeah. to answer your question after, sorry, that was a long answer, but no, that's good. This is really good. just, it's harmful. The age of self is wrecking havoc. It's causing great destruction. Women are more depressed than ever. Objectively yeah. speaking, social studies show us that yep. depression, alcoholism, suicide, discouragement, anxiety, stress is through the roof. Yeah. And I think that's because it's the age of self that says, do it all, have it all. You can be it all. Rely on yourself and make it happen. And it's not yeah. working out. No. And I think that that's, I mean, you can see that too with, um, with social media. I mean, like I think about it from, and we, we've talked, it's, it's, well, it's just hard because we've talked with, you know, our kids or you, you look around, um, at, like generationally, it's a little different in generations, but it's all the same root, which is what you're saying. But comparison, um, in some ways just kills us because totally. we're yeah, we're trying to say, I look at, I look at that person's life and that's what I want. I want that person's body or that person's family or that person's house. Um, that the joy that that person has on, on Instagram that just looks like they have it all together. What we don't see, I mean, that's everybody's best foot forward. Right. Um, everybody's 
you know, it's the best moment of their life as they're putting on Instagram. And so it can create a weird, uh, something that just, it, it's like the fear of missing out, but it's the fear of missing out on someone else's experience or something Yeah, that can just crush us. Right. It, totally does. it just destroys, it just destroys us as a person because, and which I think is why what you just said is poignant because if Jesus is our comparison, um, and he's the one we see him as king, not mm. as you know, not not social media posts, but Jesus is the king, mm. and the gospel informs our our daily life. Um, then then one we recognize my measuring up is is more about him than it is about me anyway. Amen. Yeah, and so that's good. I think that's really good. How, how have you how have you thought about that in your own? life like what does it look like in your own walk with the lord as you've just tried to implement that and and uh, apply just kind of even what you're saying yeah yeah i mean you're right we we're not only living in the age of self but we're li- living in the age of social media so we're just constantly being fed images to compare ourselves to um, and it's, it is causing a lot of, I think, self-loathing on the one hand and maybe self-aggrandizing on the other hand, you know, where we're like, well, I've got to really post these pictures and, bo- you know, boost myself up and, and make sure that I am putting forth, you know, the goal that I realized so that people know I am a self-made woman and I have arrived and hopefully I'll get enough likes to convince myself and you that I have arrived. And, and this is a pitfall that I think anybody, I mean, it's dangerous for all of us and for no matter how long we've been in Christ, no matter how mature our faith, no matter how well-informed, this is a real pitfall and a danger of our age. And so it is truly something that I wrestle with every day. I mean, as a public writer, I want to share my blog posts. I want to share my podcast. I want people to buy my book, but I have to constantly be asking myself and others in my life, am I promoting myself or am I putting God on display? You know, what is, what is the motive of my heart in this situation? Is it self-seeking or is it God-seeking? And the truth is I, I do fail all the time and I have to repent and own that and ask the Lord to help me. But I love what you said, like our identity is in Jesus. You know, yeah. who we are is who Jesus made and redeemed and saved and exalted. We know we are at the, you know, with him, we are hidden with Christ and God. Yeah. And so I have to constantly be reminding myself of that, just preaching that to myself, that I am the Lord's. He made me, he redeemed me. The breath in my lungs is from him. My laptop, the words, the time, my family, it's all from him, for him, through him, to him. And if I'm not seeking him in all things, then I know I'm, I've, I've gone off the path and I'm seeking flesh. I'm abiding with the culture rather than abiding Christ the King. Yeah, that's good. I'm sure that given your, given your platform as an author and as a writer, you've dealt with people that have read some of your things and then been like, this is dumb. I don't agree with this. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think this is a bunch of garbage. I think that that, you know, criticism can height, especially if we're trying to um, please people or be something, criticism can actually wind up being crushing. Like yeah. it can just so crush us. Um, you know, we have we have bully culture and uh, you know, Twitter's a cesspool most of the time. Um, if you go if you read the comments anyway, like it can just be it can just be so depressing. How, how have you dealt with that? I mean, how have mm-hmm. you dealt with people just in terms of cr- being critical of you? Yeah, you're right. It is an absolutely refining tool. I think 
I think honestly, at the end of the day, it is a gift of God. It's a gift of grace for us to just be exposed that way. Like it hurts my soul that people are criticizing me. Maybe I'm putting a little too much emphasis on the approval of man and I don't have my eyes fixed on Jesus. I'm not hidden with him. I'm in fact looking for the applause of men, which I do like that is for sure a sin in my life that I need the Lord to root out. Um, so I do think that that can be a gift of grace. Um, mm. And, you know, hopefully whether it's praise or criticism, we're just looking to our savior. We're just looking to God, help me with this. Help me not believe the praise and help me not believe the criticism. Help me to focus on you and be writing for your glory and to serve others. Um, but a couple of years ago, one year before my book came out, actually, uh, so that's not a couple of years ago. It's like a year and a couple of months ago, okay. I wrote a book review for the gospel coalition for um, a book by Rachel Hollis called girl stop apologizing. Mm-hmm. And as you may know, she is a wildly popular um, conference host, you know, in- Instagrammer, best-selling author. Um, and really at the, at the head of this m- movement of self um, both in, in secular spheres, as well as in the church, she professes Christ. And so she has a pretty strong Christian following as well. So when I criticized her book called girl, stop apologizing, I received so much hate mail. Mm. (laughs) I had to like make a whole email folder just to put hundreds of messages in there. Mm. Um, because women, you know, they, they felt personally attacked that I called out Hollis's message as being very worldly and not, uh, and very contrary to the words of God and the character of God and the heart of God. Um, but I just had to, you know, remind myself who I am and who Christ is and that I write to honor him and to serve the reader. And it did serve many readers. Thankfully yeah. I got a lot of positive feedback as well. But <laughs> it's good success, to have both. <laughs> you know, I think success as a writer and, or as a pastor or anybody in Christian ministry, success has to be faithfulness and yeah. God will produce the fruit. Like he's the one that grows the fruit. He asks us to be faithful and to abide in him and do the task that he's asked us to do, but the yeah. results are on him and we mm-hmm. cannot put ourselves on the throne. We cannot say, well, I'm going to be the fruit grower because you're, we're just not, we have to just be faithful. Yeah, that's good. I, I think, I think, um, I mean, there's so many, so many things I want to follow up with that on. I know we, uh, let's see, uh, Rachel Hollis, it, the hard part about those kinds of things is that when you read, when you read a book and you're trying to be critical, you're critic, critically reading it, not necessarily critical of it, but critically right. reading it. Um, you know, it's hard cause you look at it and you say, yeah, there's some really good stuff here. Um, and then there's some things that aren't helpful. And, mm-hmm. and I think that sometimes people have a hard time with, and I do it in the same way, where you can have a hard time going, you feel like you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but it's just trying to teach people to read critically. And that can be difficult. Also writing, and you're just talking about, you know, just having people critique even your, you know, sometimes your writing or, or a, a sermon I preach or a, a, you know, song or something I've written in the past or something like something that's per, it's so personal. Yeah. Um, it just is to write, to write something and put it out there for people. It, I think that unless you've done that, it's, it's hard to understand, but it is like, if somebody critiques it, it just feels like a knife into this, into the soul of like, that's my best though. You know, like I just gave my best and it's not good. I wonder if that's, I, I wonder if that's similar to people that are putting, like if you're putting things out on social media mm. or if you're looking at it and trying to get approval, 
Mm. So I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about, you know, the Gen Z culture or something like that. Who's on, who's on TikTok and on Instagram and doing these yeah. things. And if people start just attacking that, I wonder yeah. if it's a similar vibe where it's like, sure. that is my, it's my best, you know, that's my, it's just interesting. I don't know that maybe that yeah. has nothing to do no, with it. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. It makes us very vulnerable. You know, Tim Keller, I always steal this line from him, but he, he always says that we will crush our idols because our idols cannot bear the weight that we place on them. And that's true if it's our marriage or our career or what I write or a sermon, like we cannot put our hope in that thing because that thing cannot bear up under it. And in this age of self, it's often ourselves that is the idol, but we cannot bear that weight. We cannot deliver the satisfaction and the contentment and the peace and the lasting joy to ourselves. We have to look for it outside of ourselves. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you wrote, I'm going to, I'm going to skip ahead. I have some questions here for you. I'm just going to skip ahead because I think this is poignant, but you wrote in a blog back in March, I'm going to read this. I think this is really good. You were, you were talking, and it's similar to what you were just saying it, but you were talking about um, how, how women in particular are in this, this era and in this age of, of um, newfound freedom or respect or you're getting opportunity, um, which has been great over the last decade or two decades, whatever it has been, you know, obviously it's been since probably the early, mid, early to mid 1900s, there's been fights for more of this and more of this, but now we're finding this where you're talking and you just said, and this is, this is um, a quote from your, from this blog post from March, but you said to my friends and sisters and peers across the nation, we are blessed in many ways to be raised amid the mixed bag of new freedoms and opportunities for women. What a time it was and is to be a girl, but we took a wrong turn when we believed that our hope and satisfaction was dependent on ourselves or our degrees or our careers or our productivity and performance inside and outside the home. Never has that been true, not in any era, not for either sex, not with any opportunity. Abundant life is found only in Jesus. And then you quote John 10, 10. Um, I think that that, that in terms of, a posture, maybe a posture is the, maybe a better word than anything else. Mm-hmm. That posture towards life as a man or a woman, but, but sp- especially given the promises from every culture saying, Hey, now that it's, now this is yours, go get it. Um, which is, there's nothing wrong with careers and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with women having jobs and being a, you know, a CEO or like to go for your dreams, to get your degree, to do all that stuff. That is not, that's not the issue with a male or a female. The issue is if the, and I think it's what you're saying, if my hope and joy and um, satisfaction and identity is found and, and found in those things, because I think that that's going to bring those things to me instead of Jesus. Yes then we're, then we're just setting ourselves up for disappointment as Christians. Like we, we, we aren't going to find it there. So just, it's more of about, it's more about posturing ourselves and being, um, having the right expectation. Is that, is that right? I think that's, yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because I mean, I'm raising four daughters and I would view myself as a quote, strong woman. You know, mm-hmm. I've got goals, I've got dreams, I've got to-do lists. I've got, you know, the five-year, 10-year, 15-year like hopes. <laughs> like I want to go for it. I don't yeah. want to waste one day, one breath, one month. I want to be moving towards, you know, things that are that I value and that I feel like are productive that um, will serve the kingdom well. But just it's just as you say, our identity can't be in that because the reality is 
you and I are finite and we are fallible and we cannot deliver those things that we want. Only God can. We have a creator who made us to thrive only when we are in relationship with him. You know, Augustine said, our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. We were essentially homeless and restless until we find our home in the Lord God. And so I, I want my daughters to whatever God has called them to do, whether it is to, you know, stay home with kids if, if the Lord gives them a husband, or if it's to maybe work in a local restaurant, or if it's to go into politics, or to be a doctor, or a teacher, or a missionary. Like, I don't care. I don't care what you do, but just yeah. follow the Lord wholeheartedly in it and count on him to deliver you your identity and your passion and your joy, because everything else will fall away. Everything yeah. else is fallible and finite and will be broken. Yeah, that's good. I think that's, I think that's so helpful. It's so needed in this, in this culture, in this age. Um, I love that you quoted Augustine. I love Augustine. Is that from the confessions? Yes. Yeah. Just a, just a quick side plug note. If you haven't read the confessions by Augustine, you should read them because it's, it's very, it's a very good book. Agreed. Uh, read it, read it slowly. Um, <clears throat> uh, w- one of the things, and this is just a highlight, but um, in your writing that I've noticed is, and you just did it. I just quoted it as well. At the a lot of times, you you put in Bible references, just to be. I think that some of that's just for. I mean, maybe it's for clarity. Maybe it's to just show that this is not a, this is not your idea. This is a biblical concept. Um, so you any any article I've read, I just pick any random article. You're going to have lots of biblical quotations. Uh, or, or, or uh, references, which I, I really appreciate. One of our values at Anchor is um, being purposely biblical because we want the Bible to inform us okay. um, and we want to be purposeful with it. So I just wanted to, to pick your brain a little bit on, as you've thought about the Christian life and your own life, as male or female, wh- why, why um, should we be students of the word? Wh- why mm. should we run to the Bible dig into it, find it, um, you know, wrestle with it, mm-hmm. cross-reference it. Like what, what, why should we be students of the scriptures? Sure. Yeah, that's good. So I, neither my husband nor I were raised in Christian families. We both um, were raised in homes, you know, that where people, where nobody was going to church except for maybe on Christmas and Easter. And so I think um, that, you know, has ultimately been a gift of the Lord because it's made us both really hungry to know what is true. It's made us, you know, sort of passionate about apologetics and other things because we just want to know, like, is this true? I've, I've sort of forsaken my family identity for it. Is this what is really true? Um, and I think ultimately that's been a gift for us. But the reason I just want to know the word of God and I want the word of God to inform me is again, I know I've already said this, um, but he is my maker. He's my creator. You know, he created me on purpose and for a purpose. And I'm going to find that in his word. Everything else is going to ring hollow. Everything else is going to fall short. But if I really want to know, like, what am I here for? What is this world all about? What's my purpose? What's going to happen after I die? What should I be doing right now? You know, I'm going to get the answer in the word of God, the, the God who made me wrote his words down for my benefit, for my edification, to teach me, to reprove me, to show me all that I need. And in the word is sufficient. You know, yeah. I think that, um, you know, what you said was really important that we are so informed by other things. I mean, how much time do I, and I'm pointing the finger right at myself, how much time do I spend on Instagram and Twitter and like just the news and things? How, how much time am I informed 
by the culture around me. And yet it has no power. It did not create me. It does not live inside of me. God does. The spirit does. So if I want to be thriving, if I want to flourish, I have to be filled with the word of God. I have to be Mm -hmm. informed by it. And I think so often our culture is informing our theology rather than our theology informing our culture. We've got it totally backwards. So we come to the word of God going, you need to match up with my cultural expectations. Yeah. And, it, and it's not, it's to our detriment. It's to our detriment, yeah. 100%. But if, I've, if I'm constantly going into the word of God, calling it for all that it has to offer me, then it can inform what, how I'm seeing current events and trends. And it can help me sift through them and know how, how then should I be living right now? Yeah, that's good. I, yeah, we can be discipled by so many things. So many. Um, yeah. And oftentimes I, I just, I think that even in the, even in the church, Amer- I should say American church, cause I don't know what it's like worldwide. Um, we can find discipleship in, um, in news media. So whichever, whichever side of the, wherever we fall, it's either CNN or Fox news or whatever, like we, that's can be our discipler or in Instagram or whatever. Like we're just so tempted to find discipleship in so many wow. things. Yeah. But, Cause but it's hard. Yeah. Like it it's, it's so much easier to go get a hot take on social media than it is to sit in the word that was, that is a little bit harder to understand. You know, mm-hmm. it takes time. It takes discipline. It takes effort, which yeah. God will bless and God will help us, but it is making the harder, better choice mm. to not do something that is superficial and to yeah, go that's deep. Good. Yeah. That, I think that's it. And I think that's really important. That's a really good point. It, it is hard. Um, be, and it is a discipline. I, I mean, it's called a spiritual discipline for a reason because we have to be disciplined. And man, it is. I mean, I find it hard for me in in pandemic America, you know, where you're like, I just want to know how many more COVID cases there are. And are there any yeah. more, um, are there any more cities that are, you know, that are clashing? You know, like, I just, I feel like I want to be informed. Right. Um, but there's something about getting away and having discipline, even with silence, because silence Mm-hmm. this, this era. Um, and I'm again, I'm speaking for myself. Silence is hard. It's, yeah. it's almost unbearable sometimes to just sit in silence. Yeah. I want to be bombarded with everything else. So that's yeah. good. What, what is it about? Um, you, you said you have a, you have a heart for women's ministry, um, which I appreciate. And I'd love to pick your brain on a thousand things here, but I'm going to limit it. Um, um, I mean, I'm gonna limit it a little bit anyway. I might, I might ask you a few more questions about it. why, why should women be theologians? Mm-hmm. So we think a lot of times about, because I think they should be, um, I think women should be s- students of the Bible, students of God wrestling with who he is oftentimes. And maybe this is just co- our culture. I don't know, but it seems like that's left for the men or maybe, maybe like men, you know, men do that. Or maybe even it's like, nobody feels like they should do that these days. I don't know. But, but talk about women, give a plug. Why should the women in our church and anchor church and in evangelicalism Mm -hmm. see themselves less as just, um, you know, a wife or let let me, let me give you a, let me give you a practical on what I'm, what I mean, why I'm asking this question. I remember talking to somebody years ago, and asking them about their family. Um, I think I was, I think I'd maybe just been a pastor or was studying to be one or something like that. And they were saying, um, you know, they were reading something in the Bible and they were telling their wife what to read. And I thought, 
okay, well, um, your, you know, your wife, your wife is a daughter of God before she's your wife. Like her relationship to God is the same as yours. This isn't like a God's up here. The husband's kind of, if you're looking at a straight vertical line, the husband's in the middle and the wife's below. And like, you're the mediator between God and your wife. Like that, that doesn't, it just was like, it doesn't make any sense to me. There's sure. gotta be some idea of like you. So a woman and a man both relate to God through the scriptures as sons and daughters. And that's their first like that's first, mm. then, then they're a husband or a wife. Right. And so I just am jealous for that. So t- just talk to me about that a little bit. Why yeah. should women see themselves as theologians, God, sure. God studiers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in that scenario that you just described, I've really just kind of run into that a little bit in the last few years, had not really been exposed to that kind of, um, thinking in the church until we move back to the U.S. I know it's everywhere. Um, but I, I think it's funny how the Lord did call my husband and I overseas right after we got married, because I think we were protected from so much of the wrong thinking and teaching inside the American church. We were preserved from it because we were sent out right away. And so for better or worse, my husband has been my pastor, which is funny, but also he's always just by God's grace, not because he grew up with like a great example, but he's always just been like, go after whatever it is that God has called you to. You know, he's just always made sure that I have the time and the resources and the encouragement and the energy to be in the word and to be with the Lord and to minister and serve him in any way that I feel called. I mean, he's the one who like did all the groundwork for my podcast. He made sure I got a way to write every week for blogging or for my book. Like he's my biggest champion. And I cannot imagine not having that resource and that gift. So I'm just really grateful. And my heart is broken for any woman that has less than that from her husband. Um, But really what I, the reason I want women to be theologians is because I don't believe women will thrive unless they are in a relationship with the Lord that is growing and changing and being cultivated. You know, we have to cultivate, like if you, if you're a gardener, I don't in Arizona, I I don't know what, you know, you've got lemons, you know, you grow lemons there. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> but in yeah. other places we have gardens. Right. You have to cultivate it. Like you you're not just going to get the fruit without the cultivation and cultivation has to be intentional and it follows seasons and it's a it's a daily watering, it's a daily pruning, a daily weed picking. You know, it's if we are going to have a relationship with the Lord, we have to cultivate it. And I believe with every fiber of my being that no one women no one will thrive outside of a healthy relationship with their creator and their redeemer and the God who loves them and made them just the way they are and put them in the exact context that they are in right now. The Lord determined where and when we would live, what our circumstances would be like. Nothing that we're living through right now is a mistake or an accident or by chance. It's because the God of the universe knit you together the exactly the way that you are and said, you live right here right now with this family, this church, this culture, this community. And so we, if we want to know how to make it, in this moment, we have to be drawing from the word of God. And I, I, I cannot say it strongly enough for anybody that's listening. We will not thrive. We will not be content. We will not have peace, satisfaction, or lasting joy unless we abide in the Lord. And that looks like being in his word. That looks like praying 
asking the spirit to lead us, to fill us to overflowing, to show us what he has for us. That means submitting regularly to Jesus Christ, being in the church, being with other believers, the word of God, the spirit of God, the people of God. These are the things that we must be cultivating or we will languish. It is an automatic equation. No one can do anything outside of God's help. And so I see women languishing all over the place and even in the church. And I just want to say, I want to just draw near to them and say together, let's get into the word because that is where you're going to find life. That is where you're going to find out what is God like? What's his character like? What's his track record like? You can't trust someone you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Can I trust trust the Lord unless you know him? Yeah. Why should I trust him? Is he proved himself trustworthy? Um, you know, I think that that's really good. I mean, I have so many questions to ask you about women's ministry, but we'll just have to have you on another time (laughs) (laughs) to talk about. Let me say one more thing just to the women that might be listening or to the men, but especially to the women, because I I love them. I, um, I just want to say like, make it your highest priority to maybe gather with a couple other women to be in the word, hold each other accountable, do a Bible reading plan for the whole year, memorize chunks of the Bible. I know that especially if you have young kids, it's hard and there's grace for that, but you can do it. You can memorize the book of James this year or the book of Colossians. And you call me and tell me if that did not change your life, because it will. When you have the word stored up like that, it starts to come out. It just starts to well up within you and overflow and it will change your life. And so just my exhortation encouragement to any woman listening is this should be your highest priority because you were wired this way and you will have the greatest joy, the deepest joy, the deepest peace of your life. If you invest in this. That's great. Do it. I like it. it. (laughs) Do it. Go for it. I like that. Um, Last, last question for you, based upon what you said earlier, which was just you guys have been in Okinawa, in uh, the Czech Republic, you've planted a church here. So you've planted a church on three continents. Um, a lot of, there's a lot of sacrifice in going. Um, there's a lot of sacrifice probably from whoever sent you if you were sent. Um, you know, we, we have a desire to plant churches. We, we've benefited a lot from J.D. Greer's book, uh, gaining by losing, just recognizing that there is, as a church, as we as we sow into the kingdom, you know, God's been just faithful to mm-hmm. to be a um, yeah to bear fruit everywhere, and so we want to we want to be doing that. We I fully recognize that it, that it's painful. Um, it means sending people we love somewhere close, even if we're in the same city or, or part of Phoenix, you know, even if it's just a local, it's still, a, it's still a painful thing. Um, you know, we're still a church plant. So I, I was telling people, we just had some people visit or, um, join us over the pandemic, which is crazy. Um, ah, awesome. which has been great. And I was telling them, Hey, first year, I still, you're part of the church plant team in my book. Like if you're a first year church sure. plant, like you're here. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's hard to plant a church, but from your experience, um, for people that might at some point go on a church plant again, like if they've joined us or they're like going to do it again. Um, just what, what is the benefit of planting multiple churches, even from a heart perspective, yes. seeing different cultures, seeing different, something different. You're, you're building. Um, it's another, it's another aspect of the body of Christ in a different community. Just give me a, give me some joys. 
some joys of how to, what's the, you know, why, why should people still consider that? Sure. Well, I'm going to give away the ending of my book. (laughs) The place (laughs) that you find lasting joy is when you die to yourself. You know, we are so, we so quickly wander from Jesus's command and requirement that we take up our cross and follow him and that we sacrifice ourselves on behalf of the kingdom. That is all throughout scripture. And yet how often do we really stew on those scriptures? How often do we really meditate on like, actually the Lord said, come and die. So I think we get, and especially in American Christianity, we get on what I call in my book, the small cycle. We have this small idea of who God is. You know, he's like this manageable, tidy little God who calls us to manageable, tidy little things. And so we have this very small faith. We don't need big faith to follow a small God or to answer a big call. We just need small, neat, tidy faith, just like our um, neighbors who don't follow Jesus. We look just like them because we're following a small God with small faith to do small things. But Jesus blows that up. Like he blows it up when he's like, hey, I want you to leave everything and follow me. And it's for your joy. It's for your good. This is going to be for your benefit. Come and die and follow me. And I think you've experienced this and anybody listening who has chosen to lay themselves down to honor the Lord, to love God and to love neighbor has experienced at least a glimpse or has had a little bit of a taste of the joy that comes when you go, I'm going to go ahead and deprioritize my agenda and I'm going to have big faith to follow a big God into this big calling, whether it's going across the street and just branching out and and spending time with a neighbor who does not know the Lord, or if it's going across the city, or if it's bringing the city into your home through foster care or whatever, or if it's going across the ocean, we know this intuitively. And yet we talk ourselves out of it all the time. The deepest joys in this life are found when we lay ourselves down so that Christ is lifted high and our brothers and sisters in the world are ministered to and taken care of and served. So Mm. my exhortation to be to anybody who might be considering church planting or overseas missions or anything hard walking across the street repeatedly to forge that relationship, that meaningful relationship with a neighbor or to pursue foster care, whatever, whatever it is that you might have a sneaking suspicion the Lord has for you. The truth is your greatest joy is going to be found when you lay yourself down and obey him and abide in him. And he will meet you in that a hundredfold. He says in the gospels, like anybody who leaves family for me, who forsakes these things for me will receive a hundredfold. You know, he will care for you. He sees you, he will minister to you. and, And you're going to experience while you might experience some of the hardest things and the greatest pain, you're also going to experience the deepest joy. That's where it's at. It's countercultural, counter flesh, counterintuitive, but lasting joy is found when we lay ourselves down. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we, I think sometimes we think that trusting God takes effort, which is, it's not that it, it doesn't. I think more than anything, it takes courage. Mm, faith. Because, that's good. yeah, we can just find like, okay, here we go. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Um, that's good. I, this has been great. Um, I'm sure that I'd love to have you on again sometime to talk more about women's ministry um, because I I really, I really want to make sure that um, we are caring care that we are, we are promoting something in the um, in the culture and the fabric um, in the water of who we are that 
that says that we have a healthy view of um, masculinity and femininity. Healthy okay. meaning daughters first, sons mm. first, mm. Um, and and you know husbands, wives. Similar to what you're saying, husbands, wives, and even brothers of Christ first. Mm-hmm. You know, husbands and wives and and workers and uh, professors, whatever second or parents second, whatever wherever everybody's at, but. Um, I just think that that's so key and so important. I think some of the things you're saying are, are really important for us to grasp and understand. How can we, where can we find you? Um, where can people sure. find you and learn more from you and hear more from you? JenOshman.com is the best place. That's where all my blogs show up eventually. Um, I have a podcast called All Things with Jen Oshman. You can find it there as well. Find stuff about my book there. I'm on social media everywhere as just Jen Oshman. So Google that name and you'll find me sooner or later. Awesome. Perfect. Well, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for Thank being you. on here. Uh, love, love hanging out with your husband, except the fact that he's a Laker fan. Other than that, um, other than that, it's been a joy. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty key in his identity. It is pretty key in his identity. I've learned that. I've learned that lesson works. for sure. <laughs> so, so, um, but looking forward to looking forward to hearing more from you. Um, thanks for writing. You're gonna, are you writing anything else? You think, planning on writing another book, or is that just like I just, just, just released one contract? You did. Do you know what you're going to write yet? Oh yes, I do. I'm not sure that I'm ready to unpack it, but it's going to be about the idols of our age that are especially um, alluring to women, hmm. and how they have promised empowerment, but they've instead delivered exploitation. Okay. So that's a little Good. taste. I like it. It'll be All with right. Crossway. It'll be out in spring 2022. Great. Well, we're looking forward to that. So hopefully we thanks. can have you on again. We can talk some more. So. Yeah, perfect. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Um, great for you all. Looking forward to talking, have more conversations. Looking forward to, we're still in pandemic. So looking forward to seeing you in person at some point soon. Um, until then, uh, we'll jump back into Outside Our Walls next time. See ya. Mm-hmm.